this first poem is not included in the book Life, but it is a bonus to the prison pod. It's called Wood of the Willow. Wood of the Willow. There's a passage that will lead you straight to my heart. You may lose your way if you can't navigate the dark. But if you can find this twisted path leading to me, I'll be surrounded by tears beneath the willow tree. And what wisdom I offer cannot be promised. But when you leave me, you will leave with vast knowledge. I've seen hell on earth and heaven in a cage. I've seen the world's goddess with her body on display. I've seen vagabonds battle over a slice of bread. And I've seen a gladiator humble himself to be fed. I've seen smiles from a child who knew no love. And I've seen tears on the faces of so-called thugs. And this is what you'll hear beneath the willow tree. And you can never find the twisted path leading to me. This poem is called Ceaseless Change. Ceaseless Change. Winds change as do hearts. Storms won't end violent as they start. Oceans and seas must someday dry into salt as tears from our eyes. Ceaseless change. My name is Philip Ben Smith II. I'm an incarcerated man who's been serving life without parole in North Carolina for 22 years. I want to tell you about my poetry book, Life, Learning Instructions for Everyone, In Prison and Out. It was published by Bleak House Publishing and edited by Catherine Beaudry, who I call Cat. So during my life in prison, I published journalism, stories, memoirs, and even legislation. But poetry was my introduction to writing. I started writing poetry by freestyling, you know, rapping with my friends. In prison, my rhymes became poetry. Instead of writing about sex and violence, I learned to dig deeper into what caused me pain. The poetry became a tool that helped me cope with the depression I felt in serving a life sentence. In 2014, I self-published a novel named Cage under the pseudonym Vance Phillips. Cage is about a 30-year-old man who was sentenced to life at the age of 13. While in prison, he falls for a female correctional officer. He writes poems about her. Things heat up when she finds the poems. About 50 poems are infused into Cage's narrative. Because I had no marketing plan, it sold few copies. Fast forward to 2021, the North Carolina prison system started using a third-party mail vendor named Text Behind to process our mail. I published an essay describing why text behind created harm within the carceral community. Kat Beaudry, my editor, read the essay and wrote me a letter. After writing back and forth, she told me that she's a poet. I told her about Cage. She read it, then passed it along to Dr. Robert Johnson, founder and publisher of Bleak House. Dr. Johnson decided to publish a collection of my poetry. I wrote about 40 poems within three months. Cat chose the best among them. The most of the poems describe my experiences of serving life without parole. Some focus on specific periods of my life before prison. 
Life is Death is a poem that explains how a life without parole sentence is not much different than a death penalty. A satirical comedy of life depicts one crazy day in prison, ending in violence, and the resulting institutional shakedown that follows. Other poems are more personal. Memoirs about learning to face my fears while on a morning walk with my grandmother in Chicago. Rich describes the struggles of growing up as a black teen in middle-class white America. Some poems are completely fiction. Ode to Orinoco is a racially conscious drama loosely based on Afro Ben's 1688 novel Orinoco or The Royal Slave, a tale about an African prince who once traded prisoners of war and slaves before being tricked into slavery himself. A Hopeless Hustle is about a lifer whose only purpose is a massive commentary because he'll never be released. Poetry for me is not just about creativity. It's about using art to overcome trauma. That's why I wrote life. A writing about the adversity I faced, I conquered it. Those traumas no longer bother me. And for the record, I never thought I would publish a collection of poetry. So I'm honored that Bleak House saw such a promise in my work. I only hope readers enjoy the book too. This poem is entitled Grandad. Grandad. I squirm atop the concrete stoop as he pulls up in the Oldsmobile. I bound into his embrace as the door creeps open, losing work sense of motor oil, sweat, and dirt. But you no good, buddy? He asks. Nothing much, Granddaddy. Our calls and response echoes year after year in a repeated Negro spiritual as a euphemism for I love you because manhood refused such expressions of weakness. After Memo's Southern Chicago-style dinner, we walk to the corner store. He jiggles the loose change in his pocket and gives me some so I can jiggle change too. A man always needs change to jiggle, he tells me. Don't ever forget it. We buy one pint of Briar's vanilla ice cream and two cans of ice-cold Pepsi, two hostess lemon pies. There are times now when the suicide monkey climbs my back to gnaw at me worse than any narcotic I ever used to escape the eternal suffering called life. And I lay down, close my eyes, then hear wind chimes clanking behind his house, big and trombones jazzing as he tinkers with the old pennies jingling in his pocket as he walks. A child's laughter above the rustle of crinkling hostess lemon pie wrappers. Him asking, but you no good, buddy. And my tear-choked response is I think about dying in a cage. Not much, granddaddy. Not much at all. No matter how much sugar is added to lemon, it maintains its bite. My tongue summons the bittersweet remnants of swallowed pie. Reminding me of when I knew happiness, and maybe will again, as I squirm atop the stoop, waiting for a hug, laughter, love, and hope. Granddad. This poem is titled The Picture Man. The Picture Man. My job is simple. Enter visitation, pull the camera out of the cabinet, collect his $2 picture ticket, get his family in front of a seasonal mural, 
He snapped however many pictures he bought. Print the picture. A Muslim once explained that Allah doesn't allow picture taking because photos trap the soul. As an atheist, I thought he was crazy. Becoming the picture man taught me different. The camera captures smiles of those who haven't had reason to smile in a long while. A child clutches his father's leg for the 120 minutes they share, anticipating the 120 years they must be apart. The mother smiles, but not really a smile. Her joy, temporary and destroyed by loneliness. She smiles to preserve an image of togetherness she does not feel. Ready for your picture, I ask? The couple, pen pals, meeting for the first time. They pose miles apart, her afraid to touch, him afraid to test the bond built by the anonymity of letters. Squeeze in, I say, I ain't got all day. A name who's ricochet in my head, hands above her waist. No shots with his crotch against her buttocks. No kissing, no fondling, makes for an awkward photo. But somehow I coax them closer to love. A boy bolts in, dressed for little league. Baby sister follows, a smiling jack-o'-lantern in a team. Once in cap and gown, returns this weekend to tease just before deploying to the Middle East. They enter like costume treats for Halloween, but life plays a trick when they must leave. They arrive week after week, spending no more time with Dad than they spend with me. The visiting room is circled by window. Natural light waterfalls in, sending families rolling down rapids of memory lane and illuminating the worst men at their best. Tuesday to Saturday, three visits each. When I leave, a male officer escorts me out. I hand him one item at a time. Shirt, pants, sock, sock, boxes, squat, cough, lift up your nuts, spread your butt. I walk through a metal detector, naked. I dress immune to the inhumane, oblivious to the obvious. Despite the constant destruction of my dignity, I smile, remembering the prisoner down on one knee. His proposal surprised her as much as it did me. I raised the camera, snap, snap, snap. The flash throw tears and icicles to commemorate her happy day. But after two hours, she too left, leaving us alone. But for the memento of her love and an image of her trapped soul from the picture man. This poem is recollection. Recollection. When a hawk soared over the plains, the cry of its call resembled a name. He was not a titan of world renown, not a king that he donned a crown. Filled with wisdom, he held no degrees, just a worker in prison who inspired so many. He was the picture of strength, 
a rock of fortitude with soft words of kindness and a laughter that she during my darkest days I went to him sighing he comforted my pain even when he was dying my little troubles were nothing compared to his yet he never spoke of again only of how to live for here was a man who never complained accepting hardship and happiness as one and the same. So when that hawk cried out over the plain, I thought of Smitty James flying free of his chains. Recollection. As a side note, Smitty James was my friend and mentor before he died from cancer in 2019. I want to thank you for listening to my poetry. If you happen to purchase the book, Life, Learning Instructions for Everyone in Prison and Out by Philip Vance Smith II, please enjoy. I poured my heart into it. And hopefully, you'll pour your heart into your own work. Thank you.